Lloyd Lobo is the co-founder at Boast AI and Traction. He's a software engineer by education and a community builder by passion. His newest book is From Grassroots to Greatness, 13 Rules to Build Iconic Brands with Community-Led Growth. Lloyd, excited to have you on. Welcome. Thank you for hosting me. I'm stoked. I love your energy and thank you for that awesome introduction. All right, man. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, more about your work and why you do what you do. Definitely. So personal life can go as far back as as a kid. I was a refugee of the Gulf War. I was maybe eight or nine. I am a serial procrastinator as an entrepreneur. That's why I have multiple balls juggling. So if I don't like something, I want to procrastinate, try the next thing. Anyway, I studied for a math exam, go in last minute, end up being geography. Next thing you know, I'm thinking like all summer, I'm going to fail, not going to make fifth grade. My mom's going to kill me. My mom wakes me up one morning. She just yanks the covers from my sheets and she's like, wake up. And I'm like, oh my God, she found out that I failed. But actually what she tells me was, you don't have to ever go to school here. Kuwait has been hit with a war, right? Iraq has invaded us and the school's bombed or whatever. So I don't think you can go to school. And my first reaction was, yes, my parents are never going to find out that I failed this exam. <laughs> when it sank in, though, what I realized was worry on my parents' face. There's, there's, a, there's a time where there's no cell phones. There's no internet. Everyone, the currency is invalid. People are looting. All this chaos ensued, right? And over that time, I saw a deep worry, but I also saw hope. I saw and experienced a phenomenon which is very rare. The security in the country had lapsed, and the community came together to evacuate the people to safety. Hmm. What is community effectively you have a problem or an aspiration, you put your hands up, you look around, other people gravitate towards it, you get together and do something about it. Every building became a sub-community. I remember as a kid going down the building with my dad and others are like pondering, oh, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? And my dad's like, hey, I work in a hotel. Maybe I'll coordinate food and supplies. And somebody else is like, oh, I have a transportation company. Maybe I'll figure this out. And so different people were pulling together resources. Word of mouth spread because there were no phones. There was no internet. Word of mouth spread from building to building to building. Grassroots coordination, building to building to building to embassies to countries. And an evacuation effort came together. And months later, I found myself on a bus going from Kuwait to Baghdad to Jordan on this highway of death where buses were bombed. And I'm thinking to myself, I think I'm an eight or nine-year-old, and man, there's no certainty we're going to live or die. But as I look to everyone on this bus, adults, they're all smiling and laughing and singing and playing the guitar. I'm like, something's wrong here. And that day, it formulated a very important value in me that has been a constant in my journey is it's neither the destination nor the journey, but the companions that matter the most. You could be on a shitty journey on the way to hell, but great companions will make it memorable. And that learning fast forward years, you know, we, we, left Kuwait, moved to the West, college, everywhere. I found myself always drawing joy from bringing people together. Community was my thing. Started uh, our first company, and it was in a very unsexy space, getting businesses money for research and development from the government. 
right? You're you're helping businesses that build products to access innovation funding dollars from the government. Unsexy. And nobody wants to deal with it because it's a frustrating process to compile all the technical work you've done into documentation. It's a frustrating process to apply for it. It's prone to audits and nobody wants to get audited by the government. And receiving the money takes a long time. But we built a successful business out of it, bootstrapped to 10 millions in revenue, and uh, it raised a lot of money, cashed out of that company. But when we started that company, nobody would talk to us because look at what you're asking. Give me your intellectual property and I'll get you money from the government. We're two guys out of an apartment. Who's going to entertain you when big four accounting firms like KPMG, et cetera, are doing it? So we said, what's the best way to break through this? What's the best way to learn as new founders? And we said, we had access to a lot of smart people. We can bring smart people together to share their learnings and how they build successful companies. And rather than taking that mentorship for just ourselves, why don't we open up that mentorship to other people as well? We're not the only ones building companies. There are so many others. They'll also learn. We'll learn. And while learning, we'll help other people learn and we'll grow together. So that was our philosophy. And we started doing these pizza nights, founder meetups. 10 people show up, 15 people show up, word of mouth, like that Gulf War spreads. One day, 200 people show up to a co-working space. And the co-working space is like, guys, this is not a pizza night. It's not a meetup. You're doing full-blown conferences now with multiple speakers. And that community evolved into traction. Today, it's got 120,000 subscribers. Everyone from C-suite of Atlassian, Twilio, Uber, Shopify have been to our events. We do podcasts, meetups, retreats, conferences, et cetera. But if you look at that journey of building that community, which was the best way to learn and grow is also to help other people while you're going through that journey, was bootstrapping our company, Boast AI. When we got to 10 million in revenue, we had no marketing. We had like 30-ish people. That's very rare that happens. But you know, you never have the attribution of data of how community helps because you don't track these things. Like, you know, or it's not trackable how people come together and meet and congregate and word of mouth spreads, right? You can't A B test and analyze everything to nth degree. But the one chart, like, you know, en route to 10 million, we have this chart that goes like this in revenue. It also shows a secondary chart where the number of events we hosted also went up. So like a direct correlation. After that, um, sold about 50% of the company to a growth equity firm. And because we had bootstrap, which is very rare, me and my co-founder still own a good chunk of the company, nearly 40% of the company. And transitioned out of the company, moved to the board, made room for new leadership. Despite having a win and a good outcome, I ended up depressed. No matter how good the financial outcome, leaving a company you co-founded or founded is fraught with mental health issues because it's your tribe, it's your people, it's your vision, right? And now you're not in it, right? You're, you did something for 10 years every single day and you're not doing that. So I ended up depressed miserable, became insufferable. And he started drinking and became irritant, partied and all of this stuff. And my wife's a physician and she let me be. She's like, you know, you got to grieve. This is your way of grieving. One day she looks at me and she's like, you've had the time to grieve now. But if something happens to you, 
the only people left holding the bag are going to be me and the kids. So I suggest you wake up and smell the coffee here. You like do something if you want to play the long game. And that afternoon I was having lunch with Atlassian's president. And she told me that, you know, years ago, she felt really burnt out after 15 years of working in tech. She went to quit. The CEO of Atlassian said, don't quit, take the time off. And so she took a sabbatical and she went stargazing in Takama Desert and she rehabilitated penguins and whatnot and came back fully energized and decided, you know, to go on this journey again, which eventually led her to being the president of Atlassian, which is worth $40 billion. And she said to me, self-care is never selfish. It's good stewardship towards the only way you can create value in the world. Put your oxygen mask first, take care of yourself. Because if you don't, you won't be able to take care of your family or your business. So that night now laying in bed with these two thoughts here, self-care is never selfish. If something happens to you, your, your kids, your family is going to be left holding the bag, nobody else. And I look across the room and my Peloton bike is, is sitting there, you know, it became a makeshift towel rack for years. So I look at it, I spot it. Um, I hop on the bike and I pick an instructor. Coincidence has it. Uh, Robin Arzone is her name. This instructor was coming off a maternity leave. So she wasn't feeling as strong. And she was talking about, you know, how she didn't feel as strong, her postpartum lows. She was going through emotions and, and hormonal changes. And then she gave me a joke. She's like, screw that. Self-pity is toxic. You don't need that shit. It's one crank, one shift, one walk around the block. I am, I can. Repeat after me. I am, I can. And when she was saying that, Eye of the Tiger from a Rocky movie was playing in the background. And so I got energized. I felt instantly connected to her, right? One, those 20 minutes flew by. One ride turned into two, two turned into four. Next thing you know, I'm like on a couple of weeks streak here. Feel connected to the riders on the side of the bike. And over time, I fixed my diet. I started adding weights to the routine. My wife's words rang in my head a lot that the glass is half full. It's not what you don't have, meaning you're not in the company, but what you have that now you're financially independent where you can live anywhere in the world. And so I wake up now with this morning ritual of being thankful for something good in my life, specifically an activity or event or person that made me happy the previous day. Then play Eye of the Tiger, bang out as many push-ups as I can, and, and then work out. I don't do start my day without working out. And that changed my mental health, made me happier, made me positive. Because we live in this world, if you don't realize, that pessimism perpetuates. Pessimistic people come across smarter than optimistic people. Pessimism and misery just loves company, and it spreads and spreads. Good news just has a short lifespan. That's why big companies like social platforms, they perpetuate bad news and they because it, it drives engagement on the platform. Think about it. If Warren Buffett came to you and said, invest in BRKB, which is his ETF, and you'll make 5x return every year for the next 10 years, you're going to be like, this guy's crazy. But he's Warren Buffett and you won't listen to him. But somebody, if you barely know, comes and says your entire 401k is going to go down to zero in the next 24 hours because I have this inside information on XYZ happening in the markets. You're going to call your banker, right? Pessimistic people come across smarter and misery loves company. 
And, and, and so, you know, surrounding yourself by positive people and, you know, talked about the companions that matter the most, your companions can put you in a positive state of mind, make you feel like a rock star or who you surround yourself with can make you feel like a peasant. Have you ever been around people where there is so much negative energy or like energy vampires that after a conversation, you just don't want to hang out with them. Right. For sure. Um, and so, so ejecting out of that environment has been, has been key and fixed my mental health and, and, and all of those things. And so as I, as I look back then on my journey and I came on this, you know, fix my mental health, of course, sold off the company, became financially independent. And now I had a lot of free time and I looked back and I said, Hey, what do I do now? And I said, there's one thing that's been constant in my journey. It's the community. My grandparents grew up in the slums of India. They had nothing. They had, they had 10 kids. Anytime I'd go to their house, there was a stranger there. And I'd ask my grandfather, why do you have this person? You barely have the place for your kids. And he'd be like, the only way to create abundance in life is to help other people without expecting anything in return. Today, none of his kids are in India. They're all overseas. They're all well off. I feel like the, I'm inheriting the karma he generated. Then the Gulf War happened where the community came together to rescue people to safety when security had lapsed. Then we built traction and that traction community helped us bootstrap both to 10 million. And the funny thing is our investors actually came to a traction event we hosted and they're like, who runs this? We had a conversation and, and basically their question was, can you pass us deal flow and we'll give you a percentage carry? And I'm like, I have a business to run. <laughs> this is not what I do. And they inquired what the business was and how it was growing. And we said, hey, we're growing with zero marketing because we do community events. And they expressed interest in, in buying half the company, right? In, in liquidating us and in investing in the company. We, a number of years ago in 2018, my wife and I were expecting identical twins. And one of the twins passed in the womb and the other twin had to come out four months early. And we were scared because we're sitting in this hospital with the incubator and all kids next to us passing, right? And having a, a child born now four months early with like less than a pound, less than a foot, like, you know, is hard. And my wife relied on the physician's mom community, which is a community of 100,000 plus physician mothers around the world. And they were sharing stories of their premature kids, how they, how they grew and they're thriving and all the stories. And my wife would keep scrolling and getting advice. And then when I end up depressed and, you know, hit rock bottom, the community again saved me and brought me to good mental health. And so I said to myself, I have all this free time. I owe it to write a book about community. And so the book is called From Grassroots to Greatness, 13 Rules to Build Iconic Brands with Community-Led Growth. Not only my stories, but a lot of everyone's stories. From Harley Davidson, almost went bankrupt in the 80s, rebuilt the company's strategy around community. Today, you can recognize a Harley fan person anywhere in the world by just what they're wearing. Or Nike, right? They, they don't sell shoes. They sell an aspiration to become a better athlete. You can join a Nike running club no matter where you are in the world. And so I said, hey, we're in a world where marketing is turning into spam, right? It costs twice as much to generate the same results. CPMs are going up. Consumers are frustrated by seeing the same thing by getting bombarded. 
in a world where we live, a thriving community can be your biggest asset. Brands of yesterday were built on what they told the world about themselves. Brands of the future will be built on what the community says about them. If you look at it, ultimately, yesterday's innovation always becomes tomorrow's commodity, like GPS. You couldn't get your hands on it. Then it became an option. Today, you got CarPlay. But if you build a community, you won't become a commodity. The perfect example is none better than Apple, right? If you build a community, you won't become a commodity. Apple may not have the latest features. All your competitors bash Apple because they have better features. Apple never bashes anyone. They just talk about what the outcome it is the community can achieve, how you can become a better version of themselves. And so the book is is all about that. It's my give back to the community. It's my give back on my learnings in, in terms of what shaped my journey to tell people that everything from your mental health to your business growth can be fixed by just surrounding yourself by the right energy. It's the people that matter. It's not the money in your bank. It's the people around your tombstone that matter the most. Amen. I love it. What a story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you now consider yourself a writer? Should we expect more? Definitely. I've been writing a fair bit on LinkedIn, but I, I need to turn it more into a cadence, right? I think I think uh, that is more important because I don't know if you've noticed, but all success in life is just compound interest on a few things done consistently over time. You start by doing it crappy with experience, you improve, and then you eventually someday become a rock star. But if you don't try and you don't keep doing it, you won't get better. So I think, uh, I think, you know, it's a start for me. I'm getting good engagement on my LinkedIn and, uh, and we'll see, we'll, we'll write, I'd love to write on mental health a lot, but ultimately, you know, for me, it's about my passion in life is bringing people together to create impact, right? Can I, you know, there, there's this, this quote, I believe in and live by a lot. If you focus on money, if you chase money, you make short-term decisions. If you chase control, you destroy relationships. The only way to live a fulfilling life, to build something lasting, is to focus on impact. Because the outcome then takes care of itself. Like even with a business, right? People build companies, not the other way around. Because your first community is your family. Your second community is your company, your business, right? If you treat people with love and help them grow, they'll treat your business with love and your business will grow. And that's the reality, right? Culture is the leading indicator of growth. You want to see some of the non-performing companies and how they crater is look at their culture, right? When, when there's an absence of trust in the leadership, when people don't bring their vulnerable selves, then things start to go downhill. People don't commit fully, right? People are passive. People, you know, have you, have you ever been in a company where you don't agree with the leadership decisions and you passively commit. And in the background, you keep saying, oh, you know what? This is going to fail. This is going to fail. And then one day the train wreck happens and you're like, oh, I always knew that's going to happen. It happens a lot, right? But why yeah. does that happen? It's because there's no, there's no culture. Like there's no camaraderie. There's no trust, right? Trust is the cornerstone of all relationships. There's this absence of trust. 
there's a fear of conflict. When there's an absence of trust, there's a fear of conflict. Healthy conflict is really important. If there's something wrong in the business, you want the leaders telling you that there's something wrong in the business. You don't want to like just say my baby is the cutest and, and nothing's wrong in the business because then people will be afraid to bring the truth. Then they're going to have a lack of commitment. They're going to avoid accountability. There's going to be an inattention to results and things are going to fall downhill, right? And so, so that's why like for me, people, community matter the most. One of the other things I learned actually in talking to hundreds of companies as a function of writing this book was what is the framework, what is the thing that drives all businesses, all communities, like the most successful businesses, cultures, communities? There are like six common traits. And what that is, is it's cheesy, but I call it the camper framework. If you have camper in your company, in your culture, in your family, you'll build a surrounding the community of happy campers, people who are happy campers to be in your company, your culture, your surrounding in your company. And, and the first one of that is C is connection. What it is, is the best companies, they foster genuine bronze. They build bridges, they nurture relationships. Because when people feel connected, it empowers them to support one another and grow. I gave Peloton as an example, right? They engineer connection virtually through immersive experiences and turn solo riders into a community. Sweating and working out together even virtually <laughs> leads to camaraderie or Harley Davidson, you know, the camaraderie of riders riding together, enjoying a weekend ride together with no other agenda in mind is camaraderie. People want connection. The other is autonomy. When people have the space to make their own decisions, they take ownership and drive innovation. Basecamp is a perfect example. They have a culture of remote work and self-management, and that's helped them achieve tens of millions in profit when their competitors have thousands of employees and hundreds of million in funding. But Basecamp, what, has 80 employees working 40 hours a week, not a thousand people with hundreds of millions in funding working around the clock, but autonomy. So connection, autonomy. The third thing is mastery. When you help individuals become experts in their field, they not only drive growth, but also inspire others to reach their full potential. So Adobe has this awesome kickbox program where they provide employees with resources, mentorship, and funding to explore new ideas and projects. So you see now Adobe is exploding all of a sudden, right? Like they have this new Photoshop with AI where you can recreate backgrounds and it's gone viral. But it's a function of things like that, giving employees the ability to master their craft and giving them the autonomy, their kickbox program. You can launch any project. You have some funding, so you're not left alone. You have the resources and you have the know-how. The fourth one is purpose, right? Great companies are united by a shared purpose, which fuels motivation and provides meaning. When people feel they're making a difference, they find fulfillment in their work. Think about it. Everyone wants to make a difference ultimately. We're in a world where massive layoffs have happened is the recession. But at the same time, services are still needed. A lot. There's a record number of people doing consulting. You can drive an Uber. You can do DoorDash and you put yourself on Fiverr or Upwork or do some consulting and say, hey, you know what? My living expense is $100,000 a year. There's many ways to make $100,000 a year. Why should I go and trade my time for money in a company? It's purpose, right? When you have this great sense of purpose, you feel you're making a difference. You find fulfillment in your work. It's like, oh, I'm not just supporting capitalism here. I'm just not filling somebody's bank account. 
I'm making money, they're making money, but we're also creating impact, right? So Patagonia is a perfect example. They actively promote environmental stewardship by encouraging employees to volunteer for sustainable initiatives. But it's not lip service because they take the lead on that too. They donate a percent of their revenues to saving the environment, right? Harley Davidson community was not a marketing strategy. It was a company strategy. It was top down. The community reported, community insight oversight was directly with the president. Employees were asked to go and give time in the community. Employees became writers, writers became employees, right? That's how you drive change from the top down if you want the bottom up to take it, right? Purpose is really important. Another example, I mean, I think this is an urban legend, but apparently it was President Kennedy walked into NASA's office and he saw a janitor cleaning. I don't know if you've heard this one. Sure. And he asked the janitor, what are you doing so late at night? I think it was past midnight. And he's like, sir, I'm putting a man on the moon. And how powerful that is. That is because your purpose, your vision, it has hit so hard that even the lowest uh, person in the lowest position can feel that they're creating that impact, right? And that is that is purpose. That is lasting purpose. The fourth, uh, the 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 fifth one is energy, right? When your culture is full of this lively vibe, it sparks inspiration and cultivates an environment for endless possibilities to flourish, right? Think about it. You may you may have connection, you may have autonomy, you may have mastery, you may have purpose. But if there's no energy, you're like, ah, it's dead air. Like you get drained, right? And energy is so important. Positive energy pushes you up. Like look at Red Bull. They not only produce energy boosting products, but they also organize like extreme sports events, festivals, and things that promote a high energy lifestyle, both internally and externally. Right. That's very, very important. You know, sometimes you might have like go to an event and see a speaker and like they're saying something for 10 minutes and you're like, oh, I just want to leave. But there are some speakers, they'll talk for an hour and you don't know the time has passed, even with movies. Right. They don't bring out that energy. So energy is so important, especially it starts at the top, like leaders. Like what is the job of a leader to build, inspire and motivate a team to deliver? Deliver is the lagging indicator. Right. If you don't build, inspire, and motivate the team, they're not going to deliver. So your job as a leader is to communicate the vision, mission, the purpose, to excite, inspire, and energize people. If you want to just inform people, then write an email. Who cares? But your job is to excite, inspire, and energize people because people who are excited, inspired, and energized, they can move mountains. Otherwise, just send a memo, right? And so that that is really, really important as a, as a function to create energy is like, your, the environment you create, the communication and collaboration, music, just everything you do as a function of being there, evoking different senses beyond just sight and sound, taste, touch, smell, feel. And the last one is recognition. They proactively acknowledge and appreciate the efforts and contributions of others. So when you celebrate achievements, big or small, and value unique strengths each individual brings to the table, people keep coming back for more. Now, you may have connection, autonomy, mastery, purpose, energy, but if you're trading your time day in, day out to drive all of this and nobody's saying, hey, man, good job, how are you going to feel, right? But what if somebody woke up and said, hey, you look really good today. You look happy. What's going on? Or, or just complimented you or thanked you, like, thank you for all that you do. Thank you. You feel good. You keep coming back for more. Like, look at my journey with Peloton. 
if I just did the ride and it went off, it would be different. Right. But after each ride, they kept sending me badges and rewards and like high fives and across the ride as I'm riding high five, good job. Like, you know, keep going, keep pushing harder. And then after I complete a badge and I complete a streak and next thing you know, you don't want to break your streak because you're being recognized, you're being rewarded. And so that's why I say connection, autonomy, mastery, purpose, energy, recognition. Camper as a framework is a great way to build great cultures, great communities, great companies, even if you institute it with your family, right? With your kids. You want to feel a connection. You don't want to micromanage your kid and be a satellite parent. You want to help them get better and better at what they do. So mastery, great purpose around values, right? Energize them so they're like bouncing off the walls. They just, they just, they're excited, right? And then recognize them. If you don't reward and recognize your kids and don't appreciate them or your 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 spouse, your siblings, they don't care, right? And these things build stronger bonds and, and connections. I love it, man. Super powerful. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage? Where can they get their copy of From Grassroots to Greatness, 13 Rules to Build Iconic Brands with Community-Led Growth? Awesome. They can go to fromgrassrootstogreatness.com or grassrootstogreatness.com or lloydlobo.com, double L-O-Y-E-D, lobo.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn, double L-O-Y-E-D, lobo on LinkedIn. My DMs are open. I accept all connections. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show loads your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to lloydlobo.com. It's L-L-O-Y-E-D-L-O-B-O.com. Get your copy of From Grassroots to Greatness at fromgrassrootstogreatness.com or grassrootstogreatness.com and then find Lloyd on LinkedIn and connect with him there as well. Thanks again, Lloyd. Thank you so much. Love it. Love it. Love the energy you bring, man. Thanks for making me look good. Hopefully I wasn't too boring. (laughs) Not at all. Until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.